Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to your Swedenborgian community online. Uh, welcome, and I hope you are in a space to open your heart, your mind, to your higher power, to divinity today. Uh, we are grounded or at least inspired by a mystical Christianity that believes there are many paths to uh, divinity with divinity with God. Uh, No matter our tradition, our perspective, that we can connect with that higher power and light within and turn to the goodness of uh, our humanity, our uh, adopted uh, divinity, our gift of divinity from Uh, the higher power. So today we are talking about taking a moment and thinking, contemplating, chanting about God, how empowering those practices are that are uh, repeated throughout the world's traditions from uh, Sikhism to Islam, Christianity and and many different veins, this idea that contemplation about uh, our higher power Um, Sometimes in an active external chant, sometimes just within our our minds, is enabling for our further growth, development, and life. Now, today you may be wondering, well, what does it mean to be... Uh, inner faith. Well, it's not that we or me personally uh, agree with every faith out there, every detail. It's that uh, we believe that community doesn't have to set uh, strict boundaries on um, whether or not someone's Muslim or Christian or whatever to uh, be in community and uh, feel like we all connect with God in our own way. I mean, we know just through the experience of whatever our our traditions are, our cultures, uh, that people can have similar names for uh, the same thing. And often we have baggage because maybe uh, some of the institutions of the past have misused those words, so we kind of turn away from them to something else. Uh, but we may find that some people, even within that thing we've turned away from, have you know good hearts, have a deep connection with Uh, what you may call something else than what they call it. And so seeing past those kind of external differences to the shared love, uh, heart, and wisdom uh, that we each can tap into, uh, that infinite source that gives us each our finite uh, beauty, our finite life, um, our empowerment is enabling for diverse community. Um, And we truly believe that the more diverse a community, the more uh, the healthy perspectives and uh, the broader the the walls, the more perfect, the healthier uh, that community uh, can become. So today I mentioned we are looking at the power of holding God, goddess in our hearts, uh, Christ, Allah, whatever you call divinity, holding contemplation of that God and sometimes using different practices, whether it's a a meditative mode or a chant, an internal chant, to turn our hearts and minds to the one who gives everyone life, no matter what we call her. Now, we're going to highlight a few different traditions in this uh, reflection because this is actually something that ties uh, most of the world's major religions together. Now, we don't always focus on them in our Um, practices in those traditions, but uh, the scriptures of of most of uh, the religions that immediately come to mind point out the empowerment of this and throughout their texts typically do this in a certain way, and you'll see what I mean uh, in a moment. Now, 
what what meditative practices have served you? Just think about the ways you've walked through your life, and when you've turned to kind of a deeper state, um, what does that tend to look like? Because that should inform uh, how you might approach a more uh, divine-oriented meditative practice. Maybe it already is for you, uh, but for many people, and, and we see in you know psychiatry uh, studies and um, the impact of meditation and how helpful it is, how empowering it is to turn towards a deep peace in life. Now, we also hear from many of the world's traditions that doing that with a, a turn towards divinity, like acknowledging that that deep peace within uh, and that empowerment within is from a higher power helps to enable the release of ego. Um, I think meditative practices already kind of do that, uh, but there's something I, I truly also believe uh, about acknowledging the higher power and working to develop a continuous relationship with that higher power. Um, it's interesting because a lot of times the the scriptures, the sages that recommend that we kind of take somewhat tongue-in-cheek. It's like, really, I'm supposed to think about God all the time? Like, <laughs> that's ridiculous, right? Uh, but I think the more you learn and the more our, our understanding of God expands, um, and understanding of self, really, and other people expands, the, the easier it, it will seem, and especially once we start working on it, uh, the, the fuller the practice. And personally, I find this to be kind of new for me, like really trying to hold uh, divinity in contemplation throughout my day, not just kind of weaving in and out or, or whatever. Um, and it's, it's really enabling uh, for my peace, for uh, my ability to step away from some of the habits that have been um, things that I've, I've wanted to, to move away from and I've had uh, you know, mixtures of success, right? I find that contemplative practice of divinity, uh, whether it's like chanting God's names in different ways, like the the aspects of God, like whether it's God, you are the most peaceful, uh, you are merciful, you are at the heart of every being, you are love, uh, you're connected with me, you see me, uh, you empower life and justice, like whatever it is that kind of rings true in that moment and kind of comes to mind, comes to the spiritual sight, um, the, the, that becomes the chant, right? And that's that's pretty easy once you start you doing it. At first I was like, what am I supposed to think here? Um, and then also just realizing that that deeper sense of self is divinity, like that higher sense of self, that one, the one that empowers consciousness. Consciousness comes from God. It, it's a gift from God. God is divine consciousness, divine personality, like a truly the most person of, of persons, if I can say that. The, the humanest human, uh, the human that gives rise to human, but also the one that gives rise to all being and all life and all creation. So essentially, um, infinite life, uh, but in one divine personality. Now there's a level of mystery there because divinity is above our pay grade, right? I mean, there's a level of mystery with anyone. We look at our spouse, we look at a friend, we say, I only know you like this much. I don't know everything going on in your head. Although sometimes that's how we, we feel. We feel like we know everything everyone's thinking. And that's another thing they sometimes uh, call narcissism. And I think we're all somewhat uh, prone to that. Like, I know what you're thinking. Don't even finish your sentence. Like, if you, if you find yourself doing that a lot, um, as we each might sometimes, that that's something to, to reflect upon. Like, do I really understand everyone? Um, why do I feel the sense of control and, and domination over people? Well, in a sense, this is the opposite. So turning to divinity is acknowledging, you know, I get that you're about love, you're about justice, you're about life. You clearly talk to each person in their own way. Uh, there's something about freedom that you really want to empower, like we can turn towards your spiritual light or we can uh, turn away from it and use that empowerment um, for, for darkness or destruction, spiritual darkness um, in, in uh, poetic terms. And that's, so we know something about the kind of the outline of God, so to speak. We, we know that divinity is 
divine, right? But there's a mystery there that we have to be humble towards. And then even the things we do know invite humility, right, uh, as well. So, God, you're all-powerful. You created all beings. All the sages throughout the universe worship to you, have worshipped you. All the all the uh, holy ones, all the saints, all the whatever you want to call people, um, even those who don't think they worship you, they're empowered by you, they worship you in their own way. You know, the, to the degree we love beauty, we love you. To the degree we uplift life and love, we love you. Um, we may call you the universe. We may call you Allah, Krishna, Christ, uh, Jehovah, um, you know, and on. But really, we're all worshiping the one God um, with many descriptors, with many names. It's interesting because uh, in Sikhism, that's often the line. If I really recommend uh, their holy texts, uh, but it often uh, is repeated that we turn to the name, the Nam of God uh, within. And it doesn't clearly define that Nam. You know, the Nam is this, this, this. You gotta say it exactly right. No, it's more about understanding the nature of God. It's kind of like when someone says, I've, you know, I've numbered you or I've named you or I know your name. It's often um, a poetic line, right? It's, I know what you're about. And we see that use of name in the Christian scriptures and the Jewish scriptures, literally name, um, to mean the qualities of someone or of God. Uh, so if you worship the name of God, I mean, how many names of God are there just in uh, the Judeo-Christian holy texts. There's many, right? You wouldn't say, well, you use Jehovah. Get, get out of here. Like, that's not how I say it or whatever. No, you, you would open yourself. Um, we open ourselves to kind of the complex nature of naming God. It's about just getting the uh, being right and, and getting the, um, that connection with divinity um, in our awareness and in our minds. So we, we hear this use of um, name of God, of, of contemplating the name of God um, throughout different traditions, but let's get to what they say will happen, right? Like that, that would be um, maybe a motivating factor for us to do it. Well, uh, the, the Sikhs and other traditions point out how um, that type of contemplative practice, whether it's chanting God's name within or outwardly, uh, mantras, reflecting on the qualities of God, just reflecting on the peace within that is God um, and the mystery of God's divine personality, that's enabling to let go of ego and to dispel kind of the cobwebs of hurtful practices of uh, self-destruction, of uh, other destruction, other people destruction, um, our destructive natures, our uh, kind of uh, ignorance of the reality of things and the true beauty and empowerment of other people as well as ourselves. In fact, it talks about reflecting on God as actually coming to reflect on self and understand and be at peace with self, with the big S. Uh, so, you know, there, there's some uh, clarity we should, we should find with these terms, right? So sometimes we say, well, we shouldn't be selfish. We should turn to love of humanity and love of God. Um, so what does it mean to love self? Is that, isn't that selfishness? Well, you know, I think you probably have uh, some vein on this, some, some line on it, that it's good to love self. It's good to love yourself uh, in a healthy way, in a rightful way, in um, good relation with how you love other people and how you love uh, divinity, the universe, creation. And so that's what we're talking about. And love of self with a capital S is coming to understand that God is at the root of our being. Uh, you know, as the Muslims say, God is closer than our jugular vein. Uh, as uh, Christianity often explores, God is the love of our life. Like God is the source of love and the one that we should ultimately love. Um, God is the love of neighbors that we can have, the love of goodness, the love of life that we can have, but also God is the one being loved by that love of neighbor, of goodness, of life, because God is expressed in all goodness. We get all our gifts from God, right? Um, most Christians would say that, uh, and most traditions would as well. We get everything good from God, uh, 
And so loving goodness, loving life, and wisdom, um, truth, all the things that serve goodness, you know, being honest, being truthful, having a deep understanding of reality, a rational approach to even our religion, uh, is serving of God and is from God. It's kind of, uh, it goes both ways, interestingly enough. Uh, similarly, in many traditions, it says God is the servant, that the servant nature that we can put on, that humility that we can adopt, that release of ego and, and selfishness, um, but also the one that we are being humbled towards, the glorified divinity that we serve. So God is both the servant and the master, in a sense, uh, because that's healthy relation, us becoming servants to each other, in a sense, not enslaved by each other, but serving humanity, is empowered by God. And God is also uh, the one who receives that servant nature, who is glorified by our humble hearts and our turn to uh, divinity and each other with love and compassion, empathy, uh, and community awareness. So that is uh, the, the vein of, of today's topic. And to continue further, I want to turn to contemplation of our scripture today, which is from Psalm 16, verses 1, uh, 5 through 11. And uh, to offer that to us today, here is uh, my partner, Alyssa Cover, with uh, dancing scripture uh, with God. Psalm 16, verses 1 and 5 through 11. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Blessed divinity, I thank you for the opportunity to dance and to share dance with those around me and throughout the world. May you bless us in so many ways, even as we walk through challenges, even as our world is changing and it may scare us. Let us rest in you, knowing that you, O Divine One, are our safety. You are the one that will bring us joy protect us. Take care of those who are ill, especially those facing the pain that has come this pandemic. Help protect those who face the trauma that came with COVID-19. And Lord, blessed creator, Help us find healing. It is in your bounty and your beautiful many names that we pray. Amen. Wow. Well, thank you, Alyssa, for that wonderful uh, offering, that artistic uh, prayer of dance and, and life. Please uh, watch more of her videos at uh, Dancing Your Love on, on YouTube. Um, Dancing Scripture is 
I think, uh, a mainstay for us now. So uh, keep tuning in uh, to our uh, broadcast as well to, to catch her, her beautiful work. Uh, she also helps with the editing on these videos. Um, we're a team on that. So thank you, Alyssa, for all your hard work. Uh, she's learned quite a huge amount. She's really talented. Um, I used to do this for fun in high school. Uh, so it's been a good return to form for me. Uh, so uh, hopefully we continue to have fun and uh, any suggestions, any feedback that you have for our broadcast, for our work, uh, let us know. And we, we love uh, learning from, from you folks as well and hearing your suggestions. And so Psalm 16 is a beautiful reflection of just what we're talking about, right? We hear it start off with, Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. So just that sentence is a type of contemplative uh, moment about God, about our relation to God, about what we might hope for other people. And so holding that kind of uh, line, that, that thought in our minds, whether it's a mantra or whether you know it just keeps weaving through different ideas, um, is a type of prayerful practice that we can hold throughout our day. It's meditative, it's, it's chant, it's mantra, it's all those things in a sense. Um, and so turning to God as our refuge is also just um, an expression of our awareness of being within God's providence. Not that God wills evil or, or hurt on people, uh, but that God's providence works in our, our universe in every detail with our freedom to hurt and to do evil. Um, God uh, uses um, all of creation for goodness, but not all of creation is uh, embodied goodness, right? Um, we, we get into this in other videos a little bit more, uh, but um, part of the reason, at least I believe, evil exists in the universe, um, and this is partly thanks to our um, namesake theologian from the 18th century uh, a while back uh, named Emanuel Swedenborg. He was a mystical thinker, a mystical Christian who believed many faiths connect with God and are in heaven. And he thought providence was in every detail, but the reason there was evil and, and hurt is because we could turn away from God. There, we had to have a full kind of sphere um, to turn in our spiritual bodies either towards God or away, you know, that gave us freedom to be finite, to be human in the ways that we are, and, and for the rest of our universe to exist as well. And so, yes, unfortunately, evil exists and, and hurt, and even uh, natural disasters and things like our, the pandemic that we find ourselves in today. Um, but largely, um, God is uplifting goodness for goodness sake if we allow uh, him too. And so acknowledging that we are cared for by God in that providence, especially to the extent we're willing to embody divinity, willing to let uh, that higher power into our hearts and actions and dispel egotism and hurtfulness, the, the more we feel and perceive uh, that refuge of the Lord. And it doesn't necessarily mean we never die physically, like our bodies might die, but our minds are upheld um, and pulled into true life, which is, um, you know, the spirit of love and compassion, of wisdom and kindness and care. And our next verse says, The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Well, earlier we, we actually talked about boundary lines falling away. Uh, but I think in this light, we're talking about opening our, our hearts to uh, the fullness of God's gifts for us. Uh, so similar, you know, our, our hearts open to other people in their healthy walks. That's a way that the pleasant places open up. You know, when we find ourselves in a, a peaceful connection with divinity and each other, the pleasant places expand because uh, we find, you know, we're not limited anymore by our compulsion for bad habits, for judgment, for uh, all our hurtful uh, modes of being. And we're actually 
more open to other people, even if they are hurtful, maybe they are embodying something um, evil in a sense, or they're doing something really harmful. Uh, we're at more peace with them in a sense, because we have peace at the root of our hearts and beings. That doesn't mean we don't work towards justice, we don't try to change the world. In fact, I think that type of peace and, and openness uh, actually enables our work in the world because we're no longer hampered by our misgivings, our fear of you know people judging us, our, our ego or our false ego, and uh, we we start to look at things more interconnectedly. We start caring about people in a fuller way, which uh, draws us into uh, work in the world, justice work, social justice work, economic justice work. Uh, when we see that divinity in other people, if that's part of our contemplative practice, um, then that enables us even further because then we, we kind of see ourselves in them because we know God to the root of our hearts. We also love God in them because we're called to uh, care for that which cares. We end up loving that which truly loves. We end up caring for being um, in, in worshipful devotion to uh, the one who truly is looking out for people and is the source of all truth, all structure, and life. And our next verse says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. It's a beautiful idea that we could turn to God our hearts would turn to God even at night, all day and all night. We praise the Lord. I used to think of this kind of in the very literal terms, like, okay, we're gonna spend all our time in heaven or whatever in a in a synagogue, in a church, praising God. Like that sounds kind of boring, right? But maybe I'll like it then, right? <laughs> I don't know what I thought. But um, I think often that's our image of praising God forever. But actually, in this type of contemplative practice as we develop it, um, and even when we're out of it, but our hearts are kind of tuned into divinity, uh, we are praising God all the time. We're working towards justice, towards life, towards goodness, towards wisdom and truth. We are praising God. When we do our jobs um, with engagement as well as we can, not being too attached with the fruits of our actions and um, even our aversions, because I think often we can get really attached to like how people see us and this isn't super perfect and we beat ourselves up. But I think as we start to identify more with the higher self, as we contemplate divinity in the universe more and more, the less we're caught up in such um, wrestling with our more earthly natures, the less we're caught up with all the recriminations we have um, because of our fear of, um, you know, lack of reputation, lost reputation, uh, people judging us negatively. Those things are typically highlighted as um, distractions and, and hurtful modes of being in our uh, world scriptures. And so uh, that call, that, that piece of praising God all day kind of lets us uh, let go of either praising ourselves all day, praising whatever we're attached to all day, like the, the habits that always draw us, you know, that are, um, you know, typically sense-oriented. could be lust. Uh, a lot of people are somewhat addicted to porn, like they couldn't give it up for two weeks if they tried, right? Um, drugs, etc. Sometimes even a little bit of those things, right, I, I, I would think uh, can kind of draw us away from deep connection with God and each other. Um, and indeed, we find in psychological studies that type of uh, outlet, those very sensual, you know, peak outlets, it's pure just um, sense gratification for the most part and, and uh, attached lustful thinking helps us to crash afterwards. They, they bring us down. We feel that high and then we crash and we tend to view other people um, as uh, less than afterwards. We, you might find 
the next time you enter one of those practices that you have less patience for other people. You might have less patience for me right now. You might have less patience for your partner, uh, for a friend, um, for for much else. You'll you'll find that you're a little bit more upset. You won't even really see the direct connection, but if you start following the the patterns, you'll see when we let go fully into external sense being without that contemplative heart, um, we we tend to start treating people more poorly because we it's almost like we treat creation as if it's that shallow. You know, we 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 treat creation. My cat is scratching at the door. <laughs> we treat creation as if um, we can't uh, see something deeper. That there's no higher purpose for life. Um, and at least that's been true in, in my practice and from what I've read in in some uh, psychological studies. Um, but in general, I think this contemplative practice helps to pull us away from whatever those habits are. We may not even know them, um, and we may never need to identify them directly and say, "Oh, I got to get rid of this thing," um, because often that kind of attachment to our version of something too makes it hard to let go of. So instead, turning to contemplative uh, mindfulness, uh, awareness of God, praise of God, uh, even at night, as it says, helps us to walk away from all of our egoic practices, even if. They're just in our head, right? And our next uh, verse says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. So we just heard about how our heart informs us at night um, and instructs us. And now we hear that we keep our eyes always on the Lord. And we uh, turn to him um, and we will not be shaken. I think that's one of the most um, obvious things that tends to come out of these contemplative practices, and that is the stability it brings. I mean, we hear it throughout culture nowadays, thankfully, uh, that meditation brings uh, evenness of spirit, um, internally especially, whether or not it comes across externally, uh, a stability of heart and mind. It's, it's interesting because uh, scriptures have been uplifting that for, forever, right? I mean, we hear it in Buddhism, uh, Hinduism, Christianity, Judaism, uh, Islam. These meditative, contemplative practices, sometimes called or interpreted prayer, um, sometimes called other things. Uh, but whatever the word is for them, they're, they're similar, right? Uh, and they help bring peace and a deep uh, awareness of our uh, communal connection with the one. I find that to be true. It's not always easy for me to uphold a contemplative practice in front of a camera, right? Like when I feel like people are looking, uh, especially if they're looking <laughs> at a video of mine, it seems kind of like an intense uh, eye, intense light. But the more I find uh, I turn to divinity, even in moments like this, uh, the greater peace I feel. And really, it's false ego that draws our mind into uh, the recriminations of, of judgment. Um, and often we need that, right? Because if we didn't have that, we would do terrible things. <laughs> if we didn't have the fear of punishment, of people telling us... Uh, X, Y, or Z, um, we, we would do pretty tough things, pretty bad things, uh, or at least we might find we do more and more selfish actions. Uh, but I think the more we turn towards the light of love in our hearts, um, yes, we step away from that need, uh, that care for our reputation like we used to have, uh, but we also step towards a loving careness at the root of our heart. So we're not going to do those hurtful things anyway. In fact, when we turn back to our hurtful practices, um, you can't really keep a good, uh, healthy, uh, contemplative holding of God in our, in our hearts uh, in the midst of those practices. Like we might think we're doing it for God, but 
we're, you know, we're literally turned towards destructiveness. It's in our intent, it's in our actions. Um, that isn't a contemplative uh, awareness uh, of divinity. Now, sometimes we have to defend ourselves, we have to protect ourselves. Maybe our work entails um, maybe even military violence, I don't know. Some of those things we have to reflect on if they're healthy. Uh, but um, as we turn towards divinity, as we turn towards uh, a meditative uh, prayer, the clearer those decisions will become. <laughs> and the clearer our own personal uh, journey and, and path will enlighten, the, the boundaries will open up, um, and we'll feel that pull towards our embodiment of the higher self, uh, which will be different than everyone else's. And specifically here, it says um, God counsels them. And yeah, that that awareness of God's counseling sometimes seems either like too crazy, like okay, am I going to hear God's voice? <laughs> Or it feels like too constricting. I'm going to what be forced to do stuff like no, but God is counseling you, and not only is it not forcing you, God isn't forcing you. That counsel isn't forcing you to do anything, um, but it's actually calling you from your your heart's desires. Um, as we hear in uh, Sikhism, our true desires are made manifest and are given to us the more we turn in contemplative awareness of God in every moment. That's like the true nectar of being. We'll find true joy and happiness, find true peace, uh, stability, uh, love for others, compassion for others. And we'll have a similar kind of non-attachment as, as God seems to have, but in, a, in the same way where we're very empathetic and we still really care about people we work with them we're just not as kind of thrown off um, when you know they they leave or they're upset with us um, we're not as attached to their praise uh, because then they tend to use it to to control us right so there is a level of taking a step back from the transient nature of reality of, of finite um, reality and being aware that all those things may pass and being grounded in the eternal, in the internal, uh, internal, eternal uh, being that gives us life and will always be there for us, uh, hoping to empower us further and to help us find uh, the love of our life within and an engagement with reality. And so our next uh, verses, therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. And so celebrating that uh, awareness, that nectar that starts to come pretty quickly, I would say, uh, when we enter these contemplative modes of being. It's funny because, you know, often we think of meditation. We say, oh, I need to do a meditative practice. I've been very good. You know, maybe five minutes a day, maybe I can do that. And then we don't. <laughs> or maybe we do. Uh, and maybe we're up to an hour a day or what have you. Um, but sometimes it can feel like it takes a good amount of time. Of course, for those who do it very regularly, uh, they say without it, they would lose a lot of time because they wouldn't be as focused, as engaged, as peaceful in all their other doings. Um, plus other uh, positives as that are often uplifted. Um, so there's that, but I also think there's something here that's even more enabling than a 20 minute meditative practice in the sense that this is something that we can um, envelop, we can integrate into every moment. It's like taking the time to remember life. It's like um, being willing to, to slow down and connect with uh, the source of all being in worshipful devotion or, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, in a way, being aware of the qualities, reflecting on the qualities, the all-knowingness, the all-love, the all-power, 
the personality of God and, and all the descriptors there are um, and help us to really see reality for what it is, right? If you, if you believe that. Um, to see the gift of every detail, to rejoice in it, uh, to find joy in it, despite whatever may come, can help us, um, especially in times like these where we've, we've given up a lot, we might have lost a loved one, uh, we're hurting because of uh, the ramifications of the pandemic, of other things in our lives, there's still a lot of other things, right? And, and the ramifications can go as far as losing our housing, uh, losing our job, not knowing where food's going to come from, or maybe knowing that, but feeling like we're going to lose our house. Maybe we have, um, maybe, um, you know, so many things, right? Maybe we have become aware of uh, what we perceive as, um, you know, hurtfulness in our relationships. Maybe we are uh, hurting because we can't gather with our friends and um, all the ways that we used to see divinity, even if we didn't call it that, have uh, some have been pulled away. Like we still have our technology, we can still stay connected and maybe more than we ever thought we could. Um, we still get joy out of content, you know, the parables that people craft um, for for our enlightenment, uh, which in a, in a way is a, a type of scripture. It, it speaks to higher truths often, our TV shows, our movies. Um, but that lack can also be uh, really oppressive and feel uh, really heavy. Um, and so turning to the reality of uh, divinity opens boundaries just in that because then we realize that we don't lack anything in our self, in our higher self, in our hearts and minds. We don't lack anything in terms of human um, reality, of human fulfillment, human peace. All the things that we used to get a glimmer of from these other things, we actually can find a fuller embodiment through a contemplative, uh, prayerful, meditative practice, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that is repeated throughout many of the world's traditions. And in fact, um, some of them just hammer that home, whether it's the Bhagavad Gita from Hinduism, um, the, the Sikh holy text, um, it's it's often a key tenet that this type of practice, um, which sometimes shows up as chant or whatever, but throughout our, our life, is what helps us become aware of our fullness of being and our need for nothing except for a greater acceptance of the gifts from above that come from within. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay, verse 10 says. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because clearly we all die, even, uh, as we know, uh, embodiments of divinity, the, the incarnation of God, Jesus Christ, died, or at least seemed to, it depends on your, your lens, how you interpret it, uh, and was resurrected. He never fully died. Right? His spirit, the spirit of the living Lord, never died. Uh, that's hard to, to argue if you believe in God. Uh, the spirit of the living Lord never died even as uh, his body died. And we hear that in other traditions as well. In Hinduism, embodiments, incarnations of God, Krishna and, and Vishnu and others um, sometimes die. Uh, and yet, as they say themselves, the transcendent body of the Lord never dies. God never truly dies. Um, God might seem to die in our hearts. Uh, we may try to kill God from our lives, put God on a cross, view the Lord as no king at all, not divine, um, you know, a crown of thorns. Uh, we may abuse that divinity within through uh, harmful habits. I mean, some of us literally are addicted to murdering other people. I mean, that's a thing, but I think uh, a more prevalent one is just having kind of murderous feelings in our hearts, having anger, a deep hatred because people disagree or seem different or just aren't us. Um, you know, maybe they feel like they're a threat in some way. 
Um, men often feel that way towards other men, um, but men often also feel that way towards women. Uh, women can feel that way too. It's, it's uh, something that uh, we each probably have to grapple with to some degree is um, our, our proneness to a dismissal. It's almost like, doesn't matter if you ever existed, doesn't matter, I wish you didn't exist, never show your face again type of thing. Um, which is different than healthy boundaries. Sometimes we need, come on, we need healthy boundaries from those with murderous intent, right? Um, and that's why we have prisons and things like that. But really, like, that type of um, awareness of ourselves that we can continue uh, to grow and that through a contemplative connection with God, um, we let go of that type of deadness inside that, that awareness of that reality that God is calling us to greater health and life and that through our practices, through our connection and relationship with God, it's actually possible to let go of the judgment, let go of the hurt. Um, there's a lot of things in scripture called dead, not just uh, hate and anger, actually. Um, scripture calls a lot of destructive and hurtful and selfish, like self-being, um, your external life, your your personal uh, identity as the top of what you care about, um, as being dead. That's an inversion of how we should approach reality. We should identify most, we should care most about divinity and care about other people um, because of that divinity within them. And so God will save us from that. God will pull us out of that. Um, and not let us decay, it says, as well. So decay, often also used in scripture to represent kind of a spiritual term, a spiritual decay, uh, but also uh, it points to what's often highlighted as the ramifications in the afterlife or in the next life. Um, many traditions are actually very similar, even if we think, well, Hinduism has reincarnation and uh, Sikhism has reincarnation, and Christianity has hell and heaven, and etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but actually, most of these traditions—Hinduism, uh, Sikhism, Christianity, Islam—have a heaven. That's true. It's not just reincarnation. In fact, those traditions, um, like Hinduism, uh, that talk about reincarnation, often talk about how that's essentially hell, because you're you're having to be reborn again, again, again. You may be on an upward journey, but those upward journeys uh, typically last only, like in this life, you, you might make it to heaven, or it might take a couple lives um, in that upward trajectory to go into the abode of uh, the personality of the Godhead, as Bhagavad Gita would say. And so all these traditions kind of have this idea that if we lean into uh, devotion to God, uh, we will find the abode of God and all the hellishness, whatever that is, that we've kind of held on to for so long will be let go of. Um, it's funny, in, in my Swedenborgian lens, uh, which is, as I mentioned, a mystical Christianity, uh, hell is what you make of it. Hell is something that you tend to love. It's, it's that destructive mode of being. Um, Swedenborg who said he had visions of the afterlife, viewed hell as an incarnation of that, like a spiritual environment that embodies how you are on the inside. And it's hell because it's it's so bad in relation to heaven. It's, and it's oriented away from God. It hides from God's light, hides from God's love, uh, because it's unwilling to receive it and share it. Um, whereas heaven is kind of the opposite. So it's not quite the hell that we often think of thanks to pop culture and other people's commentaries about the afterlife where hell is just where you get cast if you're not Christian or if you're not whatever. Um, but instead, hell is almost something we can relate to in this life, um, something that we can embody and feel, even if we wouldn't call it hell, right? Um, and this contemplative practice, I think, helps draw us out of that hell even now. Uh, the hell of our own making and, and selfishness. And in a similar vein, the reincarnation of these other traditions speaks of that as hell. You know, we the reason we keep reincarnating 
sometimes millions of times according to uh, Sikhism, uh, is because we uh, don't work our way out of um, our hellish nature. And it calls it hell. It, it calls most of that reincarnation hell, um, interestingly enough. So in a way it's similar. It's like we, we um, create the hell that we live in. And whether or not there is an afterlife or reincarnation or whatever, I think we can all relate uh, today um, and we can find a uh, true peace, a true heaven within uh, and in our perception by turning to divinity in as many moments as we can. And then last but uh, not least, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. God wants to share his wisdom with us. God wants to uplift us. She is at the root of all being. She's called the mother of creation. Um, the Judeo-Christian scriptures relate her to a mother hen who wants to wrap us uh, in her wings. Um, God is the true personality, the wholeness of life that we actually long for within, even if we don't know it, and will illumine our paths with her clarity of vision, her wisdom, an understanding of every moment going forward and every moment past, understanding of every root in you, every hair, every uh, history, every connection, every glance. God, in her deep compassion and understanding and empathy, um, will enlighten our own journeys and help us uh, to find true life, to find true wholeness and peace. And fill us. It says, you will fill me with joy in your presence. It's not just about, you know, being even keel all the time. That type of peace that God brings actually allows for a fullness of joy. One that's not at risk of, you know, knock on the head, right? Often our joys, our, our passions, our happiness, and our, our grief and our anger is, is willy-nilly. Like if it goes too far, we call that, um, what we call that bipolar, right? But most of us are somewhere in between. We, we're still kind of like this all the time. Um, someone we feel like we love, we can turn to deep anger and hate. Um, maybe if they try to leave us or they act the wrong way. Often it's little things because we start taking people in our lives for granted. You know, we view, because our, you know, lowercase self is at the top of our internal hierarchy, um, we feel like we own everything or we should. And to the degree that people fall in line with that in our lives, they're like extensions of us. We're, we're pretty much okay with them unless we really love to hurt. And then they're the people we hurt the most. Um, but then if they show a little bit of independence of spirit, right? Like it's sad, but we get angry and we lash out or we reject or uh, become, you know, silent and, and shun or, or whatever it is. And, you know, we go through our life kind of oscillating. It's not just about how we treat people. It's also about how we feel. You know, we find joy in the fact that something did this cute thing or, you know, this beautiful dog over here, uh, you know, ran... Uh, through through the woods in front of me or whatever, but then uh, she she gets sick or something, and I'm I'm disgusted, right? No, I think when we turn to God in deep awareness, yeah, we're, we'll clean up the sickness. Yeah, we know that this isn't healthy, and we, we let's change it. Um, but we're not as like thrown to the wind, like smacked against the wall because this happened or that happened. Even bigger things, right? That's at least the promise of a psalm like this, a psalm that embodies this contemplative, prayerful awareness of God. Uh, and so that's a good practice, reading through the psalms, uh, connecting to God in your own right, help us to kind of step away from our attachment to our likes and dislikes, you know, our attachment to our aversion, I hate that, oh, get me away, like, like that kind of like, you, you, you couldn't do it if you tried, like you, you can't be in the room with the mouse or whatever, um, or, or you see something, you're just so drawn to it that you like will break down walls to get to it. 
Now, the only wall that we're called to, to want to break down is the one between us and our higher power because it releases the boundaries between us and other people, um, helps us to be truly aware of what's healthy, of, to be really empathetic towards other people because we start to really view them as people. Um, and we treat ourselves better uh, in the light of God's consciousness and our awareness of the path to life. Speaking of ghosts, we should probably end uh, with a reflection uh, on uh, such a beautiful being, right? My, my dog, my pet ghost. Um, if you're watching this, if you're not on our podcast, um, you will see her beauty, right? Uh, she's a beautiful white dog. Uh, Great Pyrenees mixed with uh, a lab. Uh, pretty cool. And I think being aware of the beauty of life and seeing divinity in it is a good contemplative practice. So it's as easy as that. You know, turning to the people in our lives and uh, appreciating their, their kindness, their patience. Uh, I guess pretty patient right now. <laughs> As she yawns. Um, beauty, the, the care that they show, the embodiment of life that they express is a type of contemplative practice of um, holding God in our hearts. And uh, there's so many different ways to do it. You can literally let yourself think about whatever you want uh, about life, um, you know, and find divinity in it somewhere. Even if it turns towards uh, destruction, let's say, maybe even hurt in the world, you could say God brings all back uh, to him. And God will uplift their lives forever. God is the great creator, but also the one who uh, subsumes, that receives into the heavenly abode. Um, we could see it, of course, in, in natural life around us. We can hear stories of God's bravery and majesty in our TV shows in little ways, right? Like all salvation, all courage, all strength, um, all vulnerability, all, all life, all kindness, all care come from uh, God. And so it's, it's pretty easy uh, when we start to adopt certain lens to uh, receive some of these practices, to embody some of these practices that are uh, so uplifted in our world's traditions um, and, and are uh, said to be the source of uh, a peace that transcends um, all time and all circumstance. So thank you all for uh, joining us together at the uh, Swedenborgian Community Online uh, broadcast. And it's it's fun to, to share and connect. If you have something you'd like to share, please reach out. Um, and we'll end with this uh, beautiful music uh, from Justine Lucas. Thanks, everyone. someone else don't know if she's coming back Lord I'm lost my heart is turning a page Lord I'm lost my heart is turning a page I long for the hands of another man I think about it now
broke his heart in two. Lord, I'm guilty. Broke his heart in two. Made him cry, left him dry. What was I supposed to do? Lord, my love. Chop me up, put me in a box, and mail my little body to Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.